Speakers Corner, broadcast and podcast. Transhumanism. Heard of it? It's a growing philosophical movement among leading entrepreneurs, scientists, artists, politicians, and futurists. If you can believe it, these cultural kingpins are actually putting their faith in the future of humanity, living in what they're calling a post-human world. In this fascinating and frightening series, we'll first be in the studio to hear from Dr. David Herbert, author of Becoming God and an expert on the topic of transhumanism. And then, as always, we'll also take the truth from the studio to the street to hear what you have to say on the subject. Finally, we'll open God's Word together to reinforce the foundational biblical truth that our unfailing hope of immortality is found only in Jesus Christ. And now, let's join TCC radio host Corey McKenna in the studio. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna. Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show and our fourth and final part of this special series called Becoming God on the Subject of Transhumanism. In the studio with me, yet again, is our friend and ministry partner David Herbert. Thanks again for being here, David. Corey, it's certainly a pleasure to be here. David's book called Becoming God, Transhumanism and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality can be ordered online at joshuapress.com. And we took David's book and this topic to the streets, and here's what we heard. In the studio and on the street with the Cross Current Radio Show. Good evening, folks. We are in downtown Kitchener, and I'm speaking with... Jessica. All right, Jessica. So are you a student or are you employed somewhere currently? Yep, I'm a master's student at Laurier. Yeah. Right on, right on. Okay, so the topic we are talking on tonight is transhumanism. So have you heard of this term before? What do you know about it? I've heard of it and I can't give any specifics, but maybe you can teach me something. Okay, yeah. okay right on. So the definition of transhumanism is an international movement which desires to use science and technology to improve human and uh, mental capabilities, all right? Its long-term goal would be to provide necessary enhancements in order to eliminate diseases, okay, such as Alzheimer's and aging. Also, eventually, they'd like to eliminate death, all right? That's that's their goal. Also, an individual who's re- engineered through the process of transhumanism would be regarded as a post-human or cyber. Are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, I've seen, um, I've read a documentary about this, so yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with Ray Kurzweil at all? Yeah, he's a genius. <laughs> okay. okay, there you go. That's, he kind of, he did a little, uh, I forget what that movie's called though. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, is Johnny Depp in it? I've seen... No, no, ha, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but that's okay. The first question I have for you, though, is what would you do if the opportunity, this is speaking for you personally, what would you do if the opportunity of receiving a brain chip implant was offered to you? I would uh, read a bit more about it. That's a good good point. I would, too. (laughs) Information. Um, It sounds interesting. (laughs) So now, 
if it was to improve your mental capabilities, okay, so let's say at your job, you'd be able to, if you're given this brain chip, it'd sort of be like a, I don't know, if you, if you think of a car, they use nitro in a car to get that extra boost when you're going down the racetrack. Are you familiar with that at all? It'd be sorted to do that to your brain. Would you, would you receive it then? It's hard to say. I don't know if it would affect my job specifically because I work human with humans on a, an emotional level, but I would, I'm definitely interested in learning more about it. I, I don't, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Based okay. on that answer. Okay. Do you believe that the transhumanist goal of ultimately eliminating death is possible? Yeah, could be possible. Sure. Okay. And why do you think that's possible? Um, just the advancements in technology lately have been growing so exponentially that... <laughs> and Ray Kurzweil, I really believe in his work and he believes in that, so... I think it's possible anyway, we'll see. <laughs> so the transhumanist goal is, is to by 2045, they're, they're hoping that technology will be advanced so far that they can enter into the existence of post-human, all right? In the event that they should die before 2045, these guys are arranging to be... Um, cryopreserved or frozen, right? Have you heard of that before? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> Presently, the cost for such a procedure is, for just your head, it's 100000 or for your whole body, it's 200000 Would you have your body cry... I have to pronounce this properly. Cryopreserved. Uh, I'm not interested in that one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Why, why are you not interested in this? So you'd say absolutely not? Absolutely not. So what do you think happens to people after they die? Like, what do you think about that? Uh, I think you become worm food. <laughs> worm food. Okay, interesting. Because, like I said, we're a spiritual speaker's corner, right? right? And so we're just asking people, like, what is your religious background? Like, what do you... What do you th you said you think we come become worm food? Like, what would your religious persuasion be? Uh, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist. Okay, interesting. Now, can I ask you a question? How do you know that to be true? I usually ask people that question all the time. How do you know that to be true? Um, well, I believe in the higher power of the human collective. So, people working together, I think that is more powerful than someone by themselves. And I've just never had a moment in my life where I needed to rely on something other than just relying on the people in my life. So that, it just hasn't happened before. And I was raised, uh, my dad's a scientist, so I was just raised in a very scientific mindset, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I'll tell you what I believe. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and I believe that we are created in the image of God, you and I both. We're created to bring honor and glory to him now the greatest problem is is we've all sinned okay what i mean by that we've told countless lies we've like taken things that don't belong to us namely stealing all right we've even used god's name in vain all right so we've all sinned and fallen short of god's glory and because of that we deserve to spend an eternity paying for our sin in hell all right because God is good, he's just, he can't just say, oh, you know what, I, I just let you off the hook because I forgive you. It'd be kind of like a judge in a courtroom saying, you know what, 
I'm just going to let you off today. Have yourself a great day. To someone who's committed murder or rape, now, that judge would not be considered a good judge, right? He would be considered uh, an, a corrupt judge, in fact. So here's the thing. Yes, right? <laughs> that makes sense. So here's the thing. God's goodness is our greatest problem. And, and I'm going to explain to you what God did for us, all right? So, so here's the thing. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, none of us, none of us can enter God's presence. What we deserve is to spend an eternity in hell paying for our sin. But God, in his love and mercy, came down, Jesus, who was fully God, fully man, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. At the age of 33, he went to the cross. Now, what happened on the cross, a lot of people think that he suffered at the hands of Roman soldiers. We celebrate Easter every year, right? Yeah. Now, you said you're an atheist, so I don't know if you, if you celebrate Easter at all. But here's the thing. What happened at Easter is Jesus right, went to the cross. Now, what he did on the cross was God the Father poured out his wrath in his son, Jesus. So let's go to the courtroom scenario. If he's a good judge right, in a courtroom, and someone's committed murder or done some heinous crime, a good judge is going to sentence that guy to, to either life in jail or if you're in Texas, even death, right? So electric chair. Not criminally responsible if that's the case. Okay, okay so what do you mean by that? Just if mental health is involved and they weren't in there, the mindset, then not criminally responsible. Okay. Okay, so let's just go with the example of a guy who's deliberately went and killed somebody, right? Sure. If he's a good judge, he's going to give that guy justice, right? But here's the thing. If the judge says, you know what, today I'm going to extend you mercy and I'm going to take your spot on the electric chair. How would, like, I'm just saying, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the guy who's committed murder. How would we feel towards that judge who extended us that mercy? He didn't compromise justice, but he extended us mercy, Never put my shoe, my feet in the shoes of a murderer before. <laughs> um, I guess I would feel grateful in that case. Yeah. Extremely grateful. Now, Jesus, check this out. Jesus actually said that if you hate someone, you're guilty of murder. And in that case, I think we all are, right? So he sees our heart. Now, here's the thing. What Jesus did on the cross was, in a sense, what I explained that judge did in that courtroom. He took our place. Now, if we repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He forgives us of our sins and grants us eternal life, not on the basis of any good that we have done, but solely on the good that He did. And God sees us righteous because of what Christ did on the cross. So that, that's what I believe as a Christian. And I just I wanted to share that with you tonight on this show. But I really appreciate you taking the time to just talk to me about uh, transhumanism and just seeing how the progression of, of what we think, right, is, is we, we naturally don't like to see death, right? We don't, we, we want to see people live, right? Death is not natural, but the reality is, is we're all dead in our trespasses and sins, and the only way that we can find true life is in Jesus Christ. So I want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk to me tonight, Jessica. Yeah. Thank you, and I respect your beliefs, too, and thank you for sharing them with me. All right. Thank you, Jessica. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? 
thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To pray, give, and go with us, visit helphere.ca. Personal. Uh. Let's get personal. Uh. And make sharing your faith a part of every day. Welcome to Let's Get Personal, a 60-second sample of personal witness training with the Cross Current. Christian, do you know that all conversations and confrontations about your faith come down to competing claims of authority? Like, who says? Well, because Jesus says that he has all authority, why not share Christ in his word as your source of authority and then compare theirs to him? That way, it's never you and your word that get the glory, but Jesus and his. And that's just a glimpse of how TCC can help you and your church normalize sharing Christ in all your personal relationships. Personal. For more uh, personal witness center training, visit thecrosscurrent.com. Hello, this is Paul Washer, and you're listening to the Cross Current Radio Show. Welcome back to the studio of TCC Radio and our special series called Becoming God on the Subject of Transhumanism. Let's start with a quick recap of parts one through three of our series. In part one, we defined transhumanism and discussed its history and doctrines. In part two, we were introduced to futurist and transhumanist Ray Kurzweil. And then last time in part three, we dug deeper into the mind of Kurzweil and learned more about his high-powered partners and his specific plans for the future. Which brings us to our fourth and final part in this series. This time, we'll wrap it all up by sharing the truth of Christ and the Christian's true hope of immortality. And speaking of immortality, in contrast to transhumanism, the Bible tells us the truth about immortality. And I'd like to lay a little groundwork by pinpointing the most important differences between the two worldviews, David. And let me start by reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, and then I'm hoping we'll apply this passage to our discussion. Here Paul writes, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. How does that passage inform our discussion about immortality here, David? Well, when you think in terms of that that passage that looks at the human body being both body, soul, and spirit. Now, we know that our our body, as a result of of sin, has certain limitations, and that it is um, getting weaker and weaker, and that uh, we we know that eventually it will succumb to death. But we also have within us this soul-spirit, and... uh, I like to um, divide that into, into two sections. When you think in terms of a soul, I think in terms of our intellect, our creativity, um, our will. But it's also separate from uh, our spirit. Uh, it uh, houses our conscience and our capacity to uh, understand that we do have something beyond us being um, namely God. And so 
this is important when we're thinking t in terms of, uh, of transhumanism, that we do have these dimensions, that we're more than just information. Now, we know the Bible also clearly teaches that everyone after death will receive a new resurrected body. Um, some will enjoy their new body in heaven, and sadly, others in hell. Now, I suspect that this concept, this idea of those going to hell having resurrected bodies may be entirely new for some listeners. Um, can we quickly search the scriptures to confirm this teaching, David? Well, if we look at Luke 16, where we have the story about the um, rich man and Lazarus, I, I think this gives us some understanding of this resur resurrected body for the um, unjust. Uh, we find here that... Um, Lazarus um, has a taste, a memory, um, he has certain portions of his body, and, and so th this would give us uh, some insight as to the body that people do have uh, that are presently in, in Hades. Now that's interesting. I mean, many believers have been taught that this story of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable, yet it seems that it's not a parable at all, but a real account of two real men. Now, I found another statement in Scripture about resurrected bodies in Acts chapter 24, when Paul spoke before Felix in Caesarea. Here he says, listen carefully, This I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Now that's pretty straightforward. But um, for the final word on the reality of having physical bodies in hell, we need not look any further than the words of the Lord Jesus himself. When he warned in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here we see that the eternal, continuing destruction of hell is the product of God's justice and wrath. And the destruction of that terrible place will obviously involve the body as well as the soul. And that's one big reason we share the gospel so much on TCC Radio. Now, switching gears, what about those of us who are going to heaven uh, to be with Jesus because of our belief that he paid in full for all of our sins, past, present, and future? Uh, what sort of resurrected bodies does the Bible say we'll have? Comments on that, David? Well, I think, as, and I'm sure we're going to look in a minute at uh, John's Gospel, but uh, we will have a, a resurrected body very similar to Jesus. Exactly. You know, I mean, as you say that, I am reminded of, of the story of Doubting Thomas in, in John chapter 20. Now, let me read that, because it totally answers the question of how a resurrected body in Christ looks. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe." 
Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. David, there's hope and even assurance for sinners like us who have never actually seen Jesus with our eyes. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1 says, speaking of Christians and Jesus, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the truth about the Christian's hope of immortality. Now, David, in your book, you also reference 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. Tell us about how that applies to this discussion about immortality and resurrected bodies. Well, one of the things that uh, Paul does in this passage, which I, I find to be uh, a great solace and an encouragement, is he, first of all, talks about um, this body which we have now as a tent. And as we've spoken on many times, that, uh, it, it is a tent. But then when he talks about the uh, resurrected body, he talks about being a house. And we can see the distinction between a, a tent and a house. And uh, certainly this is an encouragement to us. TCC Radio listener, are you hearing this? Yeah, you. The psalmist says, hope in God for a reason. Because Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is the only true source of hope and joy for today and tomorrow. But sadly, transhumanists have knowingly rejected God, and therefore they can only cling to a false hope to escape those three Ds, death, disease, and decay. But there's good news for you today that that's actually true, and I pray that you'll spiritually hear it right now, and that God will grant you repentance leading to a knowledge of the very source and essence of truth, Jesus Christ. If you put your faith in Christ for the very first time, or if you have any questions we can help you answer, please email us at questions at tccradio.com. Now, David, what's perhaps most unique about your involvement uh, in this particular broadcast of our program is that you've been involved both in the studio and on the street. And I say that because um, I think people get tired of hearing my voice to this issue of Christians need to be sharing the gospel. So just wondering if you could share from your perspective, give a voice to this issue of why is it the responsibility of every follower of Christ to go and tell the good news, and how have you specifically been doing that, and what have you found to be helpful as you do that? Maybe you can share. Well, when you think in terms of uh, the questionnaire, and this was uh, an integral part of, uh, of this book, and we uh, talked to 800 people here in London, and uh, we, we found this was a, an excellent tool in sharing the gospel. One of the things I found is that in doing the questionnaire, that people do want to um, give their point of view. And so we, we had that, and uh, as I said before, uh, this has been one of the highlights of my Christian life. We've been involved for the last nine years uh, doing, uh, this would be our fourth questionnaire, and, and what a privilege to, uh, to go out there and uh, to talk to the average person on the street. I think there's a, a misconception within our, our Christian community that people don't want to talk about spiritual things. They do, and uh, I've had that privilege um, with my son um, and other people within our community to go out and to talk to people about this wonderful gospel. Now, Christians listening, if you don't hear the word of Corey McKenna and you don't hear the word of David Herbert, hear the word of the Lord. It says this in Romans 10, 
starting at verse 13. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And that's really a reference to in that time and place, in Paul's time and place, when loved ones went out to war, what would happen is they would send a messenger to run back and to tell of the status of that individual. And obviously the countenance, the the, the countenance would be so totally different when that person brought good news, that they were alive, that they were well, and there would be a celebration. But I love what it says in verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The the syllogism Paul is building here, Christian, is this. We have to go and tell for people to hear the word of the Lord because God gives faith by hearing the word of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call upon the name of the Lord if they've never heard the name of the Lord. So what I'm hearing David say that's so exciting is there's many ways to do that. And uh, we can do that with gospel tracts. We can do that with with uh, preaching the gospel in the open air. We can sit down for a cup of coffee with, with a, a loved one. But David, you mentioned these questionnaires. And for those listening that, that don't know what you're talking about, these are mentioned in your book. What exactly are these questionnaires and how have you found them uniquely helpful? Well, the one questionnaire on transhumanism, because uh, we start off with the idea of uh, having a probe put into your head and ask people's uh, comments about that. Uh, the second question was, when you think in terms of uh, transhumanism, will they be able to conquer death and become immortal? And then the, the last question always deals with the question of what will happen to you when you die? And we have a, a number of options. And uh, from this, their answer it becomes a springboard. Uh, as Corey's already mentioned, to, to share with them the news that Jesus Christ is the answer. So Christian, hear that. John chapter 4, just to ground this biblically again, this is totally biblical what you're hearing because Jesus starts in the natural and swings to the spiritual. He starts by talking about water, and then as he begins dialoguing with the woman at the well, he brings in spiritual things and talks to her about her need for repentance and faith in him. And so Christian, there's no excuses, lots of tools, lots of resources, lots of opportunities to go and tell. Pray about it and go and honor Christ in that. I want to thank you, David, for joining us in the studio and on the street for this series. And one last shout out for David's book, Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality, which can be ordered online at joshuapress.com. And thanks again to you for tuning into our program. Please visit us online at tccradio.com, where you can access our podcast and also hear several more street interviews on the topic of transhumanism and many other topics as well. Plus, our gospel guarantee is that God's good news will always be presented here on the Cross Current Radio Show graciously and truthfully to the glory and praise of His Son. Until next time, I'm Corey McKenna in the studio and on the street, keeping the cross current in our culture. I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But 
to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To learn how to pray, give, and go with us, visit helphere.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.